Well, thanks for joining us this morning. We're so glad uh, that you're here online with us. Um, so soon, we are so soon to getting back together, but everything's gonna be a little different. And, um, but we wanna thank you for joining us. Uh, well, another thing is we wanna thank you for just the precious ways that you have given to uh, Lakewood and to just various places around our community. Um, it has been such a joy to see how God has used you in, even in the midst of all our changing times. Um, this morning's gonna be a bit different, as you can see. Uh, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna, we're gonna discuss some different items. Uh, first, we're gonna start off just talking about Steve's resignation, which many of you are already aware of. Um, and then we're gonna spend some time worshiping our great Heavenly Father. Then from there, we're gonna move into talking a little bit about injustice and uh, the unrest that's taking place, not only here in Minneapolis, but around our nation. And um, we're really delighted that we have John Gerhardt from New Orleans um, that's just gonna share some insights about that uh, with us, just to kind of get our heads kind of around how maybe we should be thinking about that. And then again, we'll sing and do that. And, and then we, we're going to talk a little bit about what this reopening. You know, we've been in this COVID-19 stay-at-home Minnesota order, and we're all just like, oh, I got to be there. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about what that's going to look like and how we can do that well as a church. But then ultimately at the end, we're going to spend some time in communion. So as we examine ourselves through this whole service, we just uh, it's our prayer that you'll take a moment just to kind of do some introspection, to look inside and say, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you t telling me? What are you wanting from me? So, you know, Brent, as we were talking through this, we were originally going to be going through Joseph, yeah. and uh, it just didn't seem like that seemed like the right thing to do. Right. But um, so as we talked about maybe a little different format, you came up with this kind of this idea of lament and longing. And to me, it, you know, as when you first said it to me, I was like, hmm. Then as I thought about it, I go, boy, that is a real appropriate way to approach a Sunday like this, sure. as well as as we enter into communion. Could you tell us a little bit more like what you were thinking? Yeah, you know, thinking about the things that have been hitting the congregation in the world lately, like you said, Steve's resignation, uh, the injustice and unrest that we're experiencing and the ongoing COVID impacts, it seemed best to take a Sunday and take a step back and honestly grieve some of the things that we've lost as a congregation. And uh, I had read an article earlier this week that talked about the importance and the power of lament for us as believers. And John Gerhardt's gonna look a little bit at Zephaniah 3.17 with us later in the service. But it says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And this truth sets up a framework under which we can lament. Uh, lament is an appropriate response to the brokenness in our world. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you look at scripture and actually more than a third of the Psalms are a lament. The book of Lamentations is an entire book of the Bible devoted to lament. Jesus on the cross, when he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? That is a lament. Lament is an expression of grief. It's giving ourselves permission to be sad because we recognize that there are a lot of things in the world that are sad. 
At the same time, lament isn't staying there. Lament isn't wallowing in sadness. I I read an article this week that I really appreciated. It gave this definition of lament. It's a prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. It's born out of pain. It's honest about that pain, but it doesn't stay there. It brings us to trust in God, and we want to do that this morning. That's what it means to lament. It means to look around and to say, God, uh, I'm coming to you. Uh, I'm coming to you because things are really wrong and I don't know where else to turn. Please help. And of course, that points right to longing. Longing. There are so many things that we long for when we look at the brokenness of the world. We long for healing. We long for wholeness. We long for peace. We long for justice. We long for God to be at work in visible ways, putting things back right. Um, So there's a lot of things that we long for. And that's the framework we're going to use this morning as we walk through these three items of discussion, lament and longing. God, we see brokenness and we mourn it and we're sad about it, but we trust you in it. And we know that you're with us. We know that you love us. We know that you exalt over us with singing. So we're going to trust you even as we long for things to be made new. And that first thing that we're lamenting over and longing in is the reality of Steve's cancer diagnosis and the fact that that has necessitated his resignation from being uh, our pastor and shepherd here at Lakewood. And he uh, put together a video because he wanted to be able to speak to the congregation directly. So we'll go to that video now. Well, good morning, Lakewood. Uh, I'm Steve Anderson, and I've had the enormous privilege of being your interim senior pastor for these past eight months. I'm recording, uh, privileged to record from the platform of our home church, Bethel Owatonna. I I so love Lakewood Church, and I'm so very thankful for how you all have welcomed and blessed Harriet and I and uh, as we came to serve among you. But as most of you know, I've been diagnosed with stage three adenocarcinoma, a tumor in my upper stomach. Uh, We're grateful that it's not metastasized elsewhere, but they've termed it a locally advanced uh, tumor, and it requires immediate aggressive treatment and surgery, which will dominate my life probably over the next five to six months. You know, our home in Owatonna is only about 45 minutes from Mayo and Rochester, and and the treatment will require five days a week at Mayo for radiation, and that'll begin on Monday. The reality of this is that I need to resign from my role at Lakewood in order to be at home and close to treatment, and I've informed the elders and the staff and the leadership above me about all of that. It grieves me that I will not be able to complete the work that I've begun with you to address the pain of the past and heal the heart of Lakewood Church, to restore the fullness of God's blessing and effective ministry. I want you to know how deeply Harriet and I have come to love you in the short time that we've been with you. With clarity around my diagnosis, I've been working with our staff and Pastor Brent with the elders and the transition team to assure that our healing process goes forward. Steve talked about how deeply he and Harriet have come to love us as a congregation, even in those short months. And um, I know for us as a congregation, that feeling is mutual. And though he wasn't here that long, we came to know and to appreciate and to love Stephen Harriet deeply. And 
That means that as we think about his cancer and resignation, it's right to lament. It's right to grieve. It's right to turn to God and say, God, um, this is sad. Uh, And we're grateful that you're at work in it and we trust you in it, but we've lost a pastor and someone who came in when we needed a shepherd and was that shepherd for us. We've lost a friend. We've lost his smile and his laugh on a Sunday morning. Uh, We've lost those things. We've lost continuity as a church again. Uh, This is another transition for us. And certainly it's not just about us, but he's got cancer and he's starting significant treatments with um, real impacts on his body and his family. And we mourn that with him. And then in that, we long. We long for God's direction. Uh, We long for God to continue to lead and guide us. We long for God's renewal in the congregation. We recognize it's not just tied to one person. Steve was never going to save Lakewood. Uh, That's God's job, and uh, that's something we all have a part in. And we long for healing, for Steve, for a return to wholeness and health, and for us as a congregation. So things we lament and we long for in the midst of that Lakewood. Throughout each of these uh, items, we're going to take some time in prayer. So I'm going to bring us before God in lament, and then we'll have a pause. And we would encourage you to go ahead and hit pause on on the recording when we pause in prayer and take time with your family or with each other and cry out to God in lament of what you are grieving uh, in Steve's cancer and then turn to God in longing and cry out to him and say, God, this is what we want you to do. This is what we're looking for you to do. This is how we long for you to be at work. So let's go to prayer now together. God, Scripture is clear that your thoughts are not ours. Your ways are not ours. And we look at Steve's cancer and his needing to step away from being our shepherd, and we do grieve, we do mourn, and we don't understand it. So, God, would you, um, would you meet us in that? We cry out to you, God. We just confess that it hurts. That we're not quite sure um, how to think about it, how to respond. So, God, we grieve the brokenness and the sin in our world. We grieve the fact that because we are all sinners, there is sickness and there is death. God, we grieve that Relationships here on earth um, will always come to a premature end. We grieve, God, that we don't yet fully see the healing physically that you promise. So, God, we come to you in, um, in grief and lament this morning. But we come to you in it, and we thank you that you meet us there.
And Lord, in grief, we, we can learn. We can learn to depend. But Lord, we also long because we know the future. You have written it on our hearts. You have shown it in your, your, your word and in your creation. But yet, Lord, we long for that day where there is no sickness. That in this case for Pastor Steve, that he goes through this, and we know that there are so many more in our congregation that long to be healed, not just physically, but emotionally and even spiritually. And Lord, we pray, we pray for the renewal that can come in our lives, that, that we would live in your spirit. We live as one with you. But yet we know that we get in the way, our sin, our disobedience. But again, Lord, we long for just your power to just overcome us, to build us, to strengthen us, to just bring us the peace and even the unity in the brokenness that we see. We pray these in your powerful and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, Lakewood, it's not uh, unknown to us. We're a couple hours removed from where the outbreak of, of protests and riots and looting has happened. And we've seen that spread across our nation. And, and so we see this, this injustice that takes place. We see this unrest. Um, and, and so what we're going to do, we have the privilege of having John Gerhardt, Pastor John from Castle Rock Community Church, Urban Impact Ministries, to share just kind of his thoughts and, um, and he has even some thoughts on COVID, which I think you'll appreciate how God even is working in that. Good morning, Lakewood. It is uh, so great to be with you here on this, uh, this glorious day. And before I even start, I want to thank you all so much for your prayers when both Wendy and I had uh, COVID-19. I don't think we understand how much of an encouragement those prayers in that partnership is especially was for Wendy and I and our family and the ministry. So before anything else, I just want to thank you for that. And, and also want to take some time to encourage you because we're kind of both on a journey here when it comes to everything that's going on. And God is not surprised. God didn't wake up <clears throat> when COVID started and said, man, what am I going to do? God didn't wake up after George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis and wonder, hey, I, I can't handle this. So I, I just want to take a couple moments, number one, to encourage you. Um, the Lord states in uh, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And I love that, that even though this is a very difficult time for the church, <clears throat> and as you go through a transition of leadership, God is in our midst. He, he hasn't left. And then what I love about that is he's a mighty God who will save, a mighty God who will keep doing what he's already been doing. He will finish what he started. And so I'm excited about that and how he rejoices over us, even when we screw up. But the thing I really love about that text is it says he'll quiet you with his love. 
And when I was going through COVID and stuck in our bedroom for 15 days, and the one night I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital, and I didn't want to go. I, I just remember God, and I was laying there, I remember God telling me, Zephaniah 317, I will quiet you with his love. So I just kept praying, God, would you quiet me? I kept praying Psalm uh, 91, will you take me to a spacious place? And then the song, Great Are You, Lord, where, where he says, it's your breath in our lungs, so we'll pour out our praise. About an hour and a half, to be honest, I was praying those things. And it was that night, after that night, when my fever broke, when I started on the road to being able to come out of the bedroom on that Wednesday. And, and even though it was difficult, I felt God was in my midst all the time. And he quieted me with his love. He gave me a chance to, to rest. Um, one of the great benefits of COVID-19 is you lose weight. And so that worked out pretty well. But I want to encourage you as a church and as individually, no matter how hard it gets, God's in our midst. He's a mighty God. He, he will exult over us. He will rejoice over us. But then when we're in these hard times, he'll quiet us with his love. Next thing I want to encourage you about is embrace the journey. With what's going on, in, especially in your, in your backyard in Minneapolis, um, when Wendy and I lived in Minneapolis, we lived two blocks from Cop Foods where that murder took place. So we know the neighborhood very well. And as I think of that, I think about how God says, I, I determine in Acts 17 the exact places where people should live so they'll reach out and find him those not far from each one of us that we'd embrace that journey, that he who began a good work in us will see it through to completion. We would, we would see and understand that through hard, difficult times, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. And so let's embrace this journey. Embrace the journey that, that, that you were on as a church. We embrace the journey because we're in the same spot. Uh, our senior pastor resigned a few weeks ago, and so we've been in transition senior pastor-wise for three and a half years, so we can, in, we can be with one another in this journey. And again, remind you to be encouraged that God just doesn't go, what am I going to do? God knows, and he's got a plan, and he's got a purpose, and, and so just let, let's embrace this journey, because that's what faith is about. And then finally, I, I just want to encourage you to, to be emboldened, to be empowered. Because as I look at what's going on, because we have dealt, and many of you have been here, we've dealt with, with the questions of racial reconciliation. We've dealt with questions of injustice. And to be honest, if we take a frank look at America, we don't have a great track record. And especially amongst African Americans, you know, I encourage you that the DNA of racism runs deep. It started with our con slavery and then was even ramped up when we decided in our Constitution that, that African Americans, that black people were three-fifths of a person. And so that's a DNA that we've kind of laid. But the beautiful thing about God is God says, what? I'm going to start something new. God says, God says what? I I'm going to take away your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. So when we look at this, I think it's a great time for the church to be encouraged, to embrace a journey, to be empowered, to speak truth about the Imago Dei.
to speak truth about all men are created equal, not just by our constitution, but more so by God and what God says. So as we look at that, I just want to encourage us to, to see that God has created us for this moment. And God has created the church for this moment. And, and, and one of the things I keep hearing from people constantly is, well, why the protests? You know, what, what, you know they don't have to, to loot and the they and an us and us and them kind of thing. But I think Satan does the okie doke on us. He baits and switches us. Because instead of saying why, why did it happen? Why the protests? We get stuck in how. How are the protests? What are the people doing? And the real question is why? And, and with, if we deal with the why, and the church stands up as a moral voice for the why, speak up for those that can't speak for themselves, Proverbs 31, that we defend the cause of the poor and needy, scriptures that many of you have heard from me uh, many a time, that this can be our hour. And, and I think what the church has to do is we have to move from just sweeping up broken glass to breaking the glass of racism in America, that we speak truth, God's truth to it. So how do you do that? I mean, that that's hard. And I've been at it 30 years, and i got to admit, I don't have it figured out. But I think one thing we got to do is we got to relate. So... Um, and even before we relate, we gotta we gotta read. So number one, we gotta read. And within that is is broaden your worldview, know it. <clears throat> read books like Divided by Faith, like Disunity in in uh, in Christ. Um, read books and works by people of color to help us understand where where folks are coming from. Then we need to relate. Look at our relationships. Do do we have relationships with people of color? And you might sit there and say, well, I'm Brainerd. Come on, Pastor John. <clears throat> Let, let's be honest. Native Americans. Let's be honest. Let's, let's, do we have relationships with people of, different, of a different social economic class? You know, where I grew up in Wisconsin, white trailer trash. So how, how do we then broaden our relationships? So we got to read. We got to know. We got to start understanding it. And then we got we to gotta own it. By, by broadening our, our relationship. And then finally, we have to react. And we got to broaden our actions. We got, we got to change it. So we got to know it. We got to own it. And then we got to be a part of the changer. And so the change that I want to encourage us all is to say, if God is a God of justice, which he is, if racism is, <clears throat> is uh, contrary to the gospel, which it is, then how do we speak truth, not only individually, but create, help create a system that allows folks of color to not be afraid of the police, that allows folks of color to, 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 to say, you know what, I, I, I'm an equal in, in all of this. And this isn't going to happen overnight, but the church was such a powerful Part of the civil rights movement. The church is a powerful movement within, within the right to life. And we fight hard and advocate for, the, for, for, for life. And now let's just broaden it 
to not just in the womb, but all the way to the tomb. The Imago Dei, we're made in God's image. And the encouraging thing is, is that God will enable us to do it. So let's concentrate not on, not on how, how are people reacting, but the why they're doing what they're doing. Let's, let's concentrate on our relationships. Let's concentrate on our heart. And then collectively, let's see how we can be a part of bringing the Imago Dei, people made in God's image, how we can be the force of the gospel within race and class and geography and gender. We can be that voice of true life. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for your prayers. And I look forward to what God's going to be doing in each of us, in us collectively at Lakewood and at Urban Impact and Castle Rock, as we become the force of good, as we become the true life that's spoken into these hard moments. God bless you. Those are some great reminders uh, and great perspective from John Gerhardt, who both in Minneapolis and now down in New Orleans sees a lot of the issues at play firsthand and up close. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave, I know you've been down there to Castle Rock and to Urban Impact Ministries. You've served down there uh, like 87 times. <laughs> um, from your perspective, knowing what the context is like down there, what are some of the things that you lament and that you long for thinking about what John has shared and where we're at? Yeah, I think um, it's easy to kind of feel like you've removed yourself when we live up here, you know, and I, but I, but I also kind of see in my boys, you know, moving from the Twin Cities up to here and, um, and, and trying to be careful about it. And so some of the things that I think, as I think about lamenting in this area, really is, I, I don't know if we really understand, even me, being to New Orleans a lot, living in the cities and being around a lot of these kinds of things, if I understand the depth mm. of the hurt and of the, uh, the felt injustice, um, you know, I, I don't know if we, if we understand, you know, really the differences. You know, we can say, hey, I'm from Minnesota, you're from Wisconsin, or you're from the East Coast, or right. I'm from the Iron Range. <laughs> and we kind of go, oh, yeah, there's a stereotype that goes with that. But yet that stereotype seems to be different when it comes to races. And I, and I lament that we, that we really struggle to, to really fully understand our differences. And actually, God created us that way and that we don't understand to see people as even John said that were created in God's image. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, I think the other thing, you know, I, I remember um, multiple times I was talking to some of the people in New Orleans that uh, I would do work with over, well, I mean, decades now, but um, they would talk to me about how they would get pulled over, and they didn't know why they were getting pulled over. You know, it could have been a light out, a tabs, whatever, or just for any sake. And they were get, being pulled over just because they were African-American. And that wasn't just it. They then, at that point, mm -hmm. feared what would happen next. Yeah. Would they be searched, pulled out of the car? Um, it's going to be their word against some other person. And so you would see that, and I lament that that there is that still going on in our country 
Um, there's a deep-rooted peace, and, and as believers, we can throw that aside. And I, you know, my lament is that we don't do that, mm -hmm. that we take a real close look at that. And I think John gave us some really cool things to kind of hone in on. You know, so that kind of that idea of longing for, we want justice to prevail, don't Absolutely. we? Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately where I think everybody is. No more injustice. We know it's not going to be perfect here on earth. But we know as believers what is right, and we need to do what is right. Um, that the body of Christ, I think, racially speaking, right. um, we would be united, you know, working toward the same things. That it wouldn't be that African-American church or that Hispanic church or that white church. That we work in unison together as the big K kingdom church, right? right. Yeah. Um, and how great it would be to be able to see the church lead the way in that yeah. reconciliation we want to see, a longing, longing for the church to oh, lead. Oh, absolutely. And I think John, John mentioned it, this idea of each of us to broaden our worldview. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that, that, that means a little work on our side, you know, part. To, to say, let's not just go, hey, I'm going to watch this, watch this, but let's find out where this came from. There's a great pastor and theologian, John Perkins, who I've just, I've read a number of his things. And, and I'll tell you, the depth of his theology as an African-American pastor was phenomenal. And, but I learned from his experience. And I thought, wow, that was helpful for me to understand how if I was to walk in his steps. And so to me, I long that we would learn what it means to walk in someone else's steps. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're in a different part of the city, like John said, or a different gender, different nationality, whatever it may be. And so that would be kind of where I would um, think are some of the things that we should long for. So we're gonna spend again a quick time in prayer. And again, between there'll be a short pause between Brent and I's prayer and just take a time with your family to examine yourself um, and your family or however you wanna pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, again grieve what's going on around us, we know that it's not the way that you want it to be. But yet, Lord, we know that you are in it. You are not caught off uh, guard by this. Lord, I pray that we would understand the depth of the racism, that we wouldn't just kind of say, well, that's not me, but that we would look at it and say, what can I do? We don't understand the differences, and Lord, I pray that we would, because differences are good. But yet, in some way, when it comes to racial things, it seems like it's not good. And I just pray that we wouldn't be that way, that, uh, because that just interferes with our relationships with others. And Lord, I pray and I lament over the way, the treatment of various people groups up here, we would probably say more Native Americans being treated poorly in just different ways. It could be just out of our ignorance. But Lord, I, I, I grieve that we don't love more. God, we know that uh, in Jesus Christ, you have brought those who are far apart together to be one. And we long for realized unity, first and foremost in the body of Christ. 
that would be an example to the world around us. We long, we long to be able to think differently, to be able to love more fully, to be able to understand more completely. God, we long to see your church lead the way in an area where she has all too often fallen behind. And God, we long for justice. We know that you are a God of justice, that um, seeing things done in righteousness and in fairness is close to your heart. So we long, God, for that to be true here. We pray even as your son did, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth, even as it is in heaven. We long for that, God. We pray that you would be changing in our own hearts to bring us closer to that and that you'd be um, making that to be true first in us. Amen. You know, maybe you're thinking about how to try to talk to your family about this. And just know, Lakewood, that there's some resources that are going to be coming out in the week to come to talk with, whether it's your elementary age kids uh, or your, your students uh, about some of these issues yeah. in ways that are Bible-centered, gospel-driven, gospel and helpful overall. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that in the weeks to come. And I think, Brent, one of the nice things is, is you know, as the church, we need to, we, we need to look at these things and we <laughs> need to respond um, and not sit back and wait for someone else to respond. Yep. But I think sometimes that's our tendency, yep. is to kind of say, well, I'll move in if no one else does. But I think we need to say, no, I want to be the first one in to do that. And that means really our hearts need to be in the right spot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's difficult, it's hard too, because all these things that have been happening, Steve's resignation, the uh, injustice and the unrest that we're witnessing, that's all obviously happening under this huge cloud of COVID. <laughs> right. And talk about things that we lament, talk about things that we long for. Um, in COVID, I think about just grief over things that have been lost. Mm. And that's been going on for three months now. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that we've lost as a, as a church family, as individual families, as individual people, as a society certainly a great loss of life, um, but also just a loss of normalcy. It, it amazes me looking out at a great hall set for 25% capacity, how abnormal this is, but also how quickly it started to feel normal. And we don't even know what normal is anymore. Right. And I grieve that, I lament that. Um, we've lost connection with each other because we've been forced to interact either through a computer screen or uh, too often not at all. And we were made for connection. We were made to be social beings. That's what God put in us in creating us in his image. And we grieve the loss of connection that we've had. And uh, on top of all that, the loss of connection that might be required or, or helpful because of the virus, like too many things in the world today, this virus has also become a cause for division mm -hmm. and polarization. Yeah. It's come, become something that has divided us instead of uniting us. 
and people on all points of a spectrum, all different viewpoints, have dug in and um, it's been difficult to move ahead in compassion and in love. And the difficulty that we have in moving in compassion and moving in love, I, I think we do well to lament that. Certainly some things that we've, that we've lost and things that we long for. Uh, you know, we long for, I, I long for just increased unity and love and think back to what it was even at the, be, the middle of March when this first started. And there was a level of unity. There was a level of coming togetherness. And I long for, for that, um, both in relation to COVID and in general, that there would be unity, that there would be love. As a church, I long that COVID would continue to be something that can drive the mission forward. Whenever there is uncertainty, whenever there is fear, the gospel speaks into that in real and in significant ways. And I would long to see the church be able to step into that space in ways that brings hope and peace to our neighbors who are afraid and uncertain. Um, and at a real basic level, there's a, there's a longing for just a returning to what we know. And we know it might never really totally come back, but a longing to not have to worry about or think about did I forget my mask in the car accidentally? Did I wash my hands? Uh, a longing for gathering in larger groups with coffee and donuts and a longing for sports and a longing for uh, so much of a world that was really familiar three and a half months ago and now seems completely foreign. Mm -hmm. And in all of that, I just think of the refrain of the early church Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And whenever that would come, obviously God only knows, but whenever we're faced with fear, with uncertainty, with brokenness, the church again cries out as she has for thousands of years, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah. And certainly we long for Christ to ultimately step in and return and make things right. But on a more immediate level, we long for him to step into our own hearts, into our own sphere, into our own relationships and bring the peace that he promises, bring uh, the joy that he promises in those. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and we long for that.